This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the creator, the man who has got his voice back from Sunday, more on that later, Keith Lawrence, and another man who is also happy, but will not be ordering a battered Tottenham with his chips anytime soon, it's Steve Wick. Steve, welcome to the show this week. Okay. I, think, I think we're going to have fun this week talking about the the latest game, aren't we? Yeah, I love it. Um, it was always when I was playing; it was always the biggest game that we played, and uh, yeah, it's great when uh, Chelsea beat Tottenham. I love it. It's a special feeling. Four games this season. We've won them all. Three games in a month, no less, and we haven't conceded a goal against them. To yeah. say that is dominant is an understatement. We, I mean, we're going to talk about the game in detail in a minute, but how the difference in class between us and Tottenham, if you look at clubs, trophies won, and there's a lot of Tottenham fans who I've spoken to and I've heard that go, we're not after trophies. We're not at that level to win trophies. You just have to look at the facts of what type of club we are, what type of club they are, what type of fans they have compared to us. And, you know, it's always been like that. And growing up, it's been the sort of a case where there's always been a bit of a rivalry between Chelsea and Tottenham. And I spoke about this to Neil Barnett when he was on the podcast and he was talking about when it started and how, and in in his eyes, how ridiculous it's got to with fans hating each other and why they hate each other and things. And it's funny when this rivalry all really escalated to a new level when it was that Battle of the Bridge game in 2016 when Leicester had the chance to win the title. If Spurs didn't win, Leicester was going to win cha- was going to be champions, excuse me. And Spurs were 2-0 up. We got back to 2-2 and there was... Yeah, argy-bargy galore. There was handbags at dawn. Hazard scored a late equaliser. And Spurs pretty much cocked it up. And you saw a good image of Harry Kane screaming at his teammates because he knew that the title was gone. And then since then, the rivalries 
spiced up a little bit. Obviously, Mourinho going there, Conte going there, ex-Chelsea managers that have gone there now. It spiced it up to the point, and I've this worked well. I spoke about it on the show when I went to the second leg at White Hart Lane, three-point lane in the League Cup. The hatred, the absolute hatred that Chelsea fans and Spurs fans, they despise each other, no less. And it's funny, I'm going to show you, uh, I'll say show you, I'm going to read you a tweet from a Spurs fan that he brought out brought out on Sunday. He was there at the game and this, this I sort of reposted and it got a lot of attention from our listeners and people that follow the show, Steve, and this made me laugh. This made my Monday. I hate this place and I hate Chelsea. I hate everything about this away day for me. One win in 32 years at the bridge. I hate it with a passion. I hate Chelsea, end quote. And that made my Monday, Steve, yesterday. That, that made That amused me. So we're going to talk about it now. Chelsea Tottenham on Sunday, where I'm sort of a couple of days late due to scheduling uh, timings. But Chelsea Tottenham, I was worried yet before, yes, before the game because I was thinking three wins out of three, Spurs have got to break it eventually. And we discussed it beforehand, Steve, about we was worried about where Chelsea could go because of how bad we were against Brighton and the impact that Man City result would have had on this team and there was rumours of discontent in the squad. None of that occurred on Sunday. None of it. Because we were playing Tottenham. Mm. Well, I, I, Keith, I think Conte, I think his tactics were absolutely unbelievably bad. Unbelievable. I think when Chelsea looked at that team, they must have thought, oh, he's set up for a draw here. You know, mm. you've got Mora, who causes lots of problems. You've got Birdwine, who scored two goals at um, Leicester. If you had a front a front three of Kane, Mora, and but that's the way attack Chelsea. Chelsea have con- been conceding a few goals, you know, and attacker. What he did, what he did was he 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 had three creative uh, uh, negative midfield players. There was no creativity in Tottenham's midfield whatsoever. Mm. And I think he played into Chelsea's hands. And, you know, there's lots of things that, you know, these so-called super coaches, and they are, you can't, you know, it's one of them, footballers say, put your your caps on the table. They can put, how many trophies have we won on the table? And they are great coaches. But sometimes he's never, ever gone to a club where he's had to coach what he considers inferior players. He's always at it, On even at Chelsea, when he came to Chelsea, there was a nucleus of a bloody good side there. Yes. At, at Tottenham, he hasn't got that. Hmm. He hasn't got that. And this is going to be a test for Conte. I'll tell you, this is going to be a test. Because I cannot believe that they haven't entered into the transfer market as yet. <laughs> I can't yep. believe that because you know to me they need just to freshen it up a little bit because they've still got a chance against the Champions League but I think he was very negative having said that um, the push 
by uh, Kane um, on one of my favourite players. But I've got to say, he fell down like a shot Brazilian pigeon with a little touch on the back, which was obviously... I think, now, come on. No, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. That was, you know, but had that gone in, if is a big word in football. But I didn't consider that a foul. I think that was quite harsh. I think Kane had brought it back inside. He'd gone too far. Kane touched him and he went down like Swan Lake, in my opinion. It would have been a sin if Chelsea were far the better side. I had a good view of the incident because I was pretty much, it was right in front of me in the Matthew Arden lower. I saw Kane's hands on the back. Did Silver go quite far considering the push wasn't yeah. It yeah. wasn't excessive, yeah. but it was a push nonetheless. You haven't got your you haven't got your blue glasses on now. You can talk. No, no, no. I've got I've got half of them blue, half of them partly in, 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 in the real world at least. For me it was a foul. At the time it was a foul. When I looked back on it on match of the day on Sunday night and then on Sky on Monday, because I've I recorded the highlights, I still say it's a foul. Tiago's clever because of the way he went down, because it looked as if, you know, it was 100% foul. But I can see why the referee and VAR gave it as a foul, because Kane had his arm, he, he had his hands up. If Kane, what was the, what, if what? Kane used his shoulder... And his upper arm, then, and that was a goal, possibly get away with it because it happened on Friday with Watford and Norwich. Pookie done something similar. Pookie's was worse than Kane. No, 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 no. no. Yes, it was. No. Was. That was that was more of a foul than Harry Kane. But no. listen, we deserve to win. Yes, and we did. We have to talk about the positives. We did deserve to win that. A, a great injustice if we'd have lost. Well, it was great that VAR was on our side because, for me, it was the right decision and I still stand by that. It was the right decision. I loved the fact that Chelsea, how they played and how they didn't give Tottenham any inch in regards to giving them time and space on the ball. And, Steve, you've been in the game long enough as well as I've seen it on numerous occasions, the midfield battle is always key. If you don't win your individual battles, let alone the midfield battle, you're always going to struggle. And I just thought the midfield for Chelsea compared to Tottenham, Chelsea's was just class with Kovacic, who I didn't think had his best game. I thought he gave the ball away a lot on Sunday. Jorginho, for me, decent player. He's lacked a little bit of pace a little bit. He still looks a little bit tired for me. Yeah. Mount, I thought he was very good on Sunday. Hey, he, you know. he was different. I don't know how he could have left Mason Mount out the games he has done. Mason is the one that invites the press. Yeah. He's the first one to, to close people down. He's got energy. He's got skill. He's got ability. And how he's left him out, I, I just hmm. can't work out. I really can't. And then when you compare that midfield to Tottenham's midfield, when they're playing, in essence, two full-backs as wingers, 
and Winks, who I oh I don't particularly rate, and I know a few of my Spurs friends uh, completely disagree with me on that. And Hoiberg, who if you're talking about Thiago Silva with Swan Lake, Hoiberg at three point lane in the League Cup, that was a Oscar winning yeah. performance. But we, it, it's the old saying: it was men against boys. And you talk about Conte. I said this. I think I even said it to you on uh, on the phone when I was driving back on Sunday. I might have said it to a few others. I can't see Conte being there that long. No, I'll, I'll be I'd be surprised if he's there after the summer. I don't think his ego will take it. No, uh, because he doesn't asso- associate himself with failure. Mm. Uh, you know, a little bit like uh, you know, everywhere. he was a good manager with Chelsea. He was, don't get me wrong. He was a good manager with Chelsea and he won things and he was... But there were certain games that... and The, the biggest exponent of that was when we went and played Man City away. Yes. And he didn't yes. play with us forward. And what you're doing, you're, you're laying, you're, you're laying your, your, your cards on the table by saying, we're basically going to come here and try and get a draw. This was his second season, wasn't it? It was his yeah. second season. We lost 6-0. It's quite funny. Yeah. Uh, when you, you, You've you mentioned that. It did actually bring up a good point. The fact that he played without a centre-forward against City and he played negative tactics. He's got a centre-forward in Kane. But it's the old... You know, it's a saying that I've used sort of quite a lot. Conte cannot make chicken salad out of chicken chips. And he's got a lot of shit in that team. Yeah, there are. But I cannot understand setting up. You've beaten Leicester 3-2. You're on a massive high. You're playing against Chelsea. You've got to do something different. Yeah. So why not go out and attack with positivity? With, with you know, a person that always causes, I think, causes problems is Mora. I think he always, I think he's a little, he can be on his day a real handful. Um, and if you set up a three there, you've got all your defensive midfield players you need. Mm. And then what he does, he plays two fullbacks in a three that never went over the halfway line. No. And if you look at our tactics as well, Steve, we played with a back four. Yes. And we've got players all over the pitch. Yes. Aspilicueta, who people are, who are labelling, gone past it. He's 31, 32. He ain't got the legs no more. He was going, he was going more up the pitch than half of Spurs' team. Yeah, because no one was getting wide and getting onto him. No. So he, had, he had 20, 30 yards of space in front of him. And, and Marling... And- Mar- Marling Saar, who played left-back, and it was a good tactical choice to have him at left-back because how well he played in the second leg in the League Cup, he didn't need to go forward. And I don't actually recall him ever going by the byline and going forward with the ball because he didn't need to because a lot of our attacks was on the right-hand side. And was it a good... You know, I've, I've spoken to Spurs fans about it and they said it was a good time to play us because of how our formers dipped. But they were just shocked with the tactics that Conte used. And again, whether Conte's using it as a, uh, a message to the board, because he's got a lot of shit in that club. How we played on Sunday, it beggars belief for me. And I know this is an old thing that people have said for years. 
how we played on Sunday, I don't know how we've dropped points against the likes of Burnley, Everton and Brighton twice. How we played, we didn't play perfectly, but we played like we had the bit between our teeth and we had something to prove. And I just think it's a, just a bit of a missed opportunity, but it was a much needed win. And one player who I will put, actually there's two players, because I, I will put my hands up. Two players who I thought were outstanding Sunday. Kepper. Yep. And I'll give him credit because I've slated him on social media and I've slated him on the show. Hakim Ziyech. Like, yeah. His goal was outstanding. Fabulous finish. And the fact that he even had the cheek to smile about it. It's yeah, the first time it's, it's I've actually nice. seen him smile in a Chelsea yeah. shirt. It's quite nice, mate, that he celebrated his goal. And showed yes. His... Because I tell you what, he didn't at Brighton. No, and... I, what was that I all think... about? What yeah. was that all about? Was that a little bit of a, a protest? I don't know. You know, he, he, I don't know. I, I was... But fantastic goal. Fantastic. It couldn't have gone in the more perfect spot. It was and right... And a World Cup winning goalkeeper just stood th- just stood there. Yeah. He couldn't do yeah. anything about it. That tells yeah. you how good that goal was, is when someone, with all due respect, Lloris is getting on a bit, but he still won the World Cup. Couldn't do well, anything about it. Couldn't do goal. nothing. And then you've got the second goal, which, uh, I, I, to this to this point now, I still don't know why Spurs were moaning about it and they wanted VAR to check it, but the free kick, great free kick gone in, and Thiago Silva, who isn't the tallest defender in our squad, comes up with a great header. He used all his experience there, got the goal. For me, that killed the game completely, that second goal, and the atmosphere at the bridge was just fantastic. And I know, again, it's just against Tottenham, and it'll probably be a lot different when Plymouth come to town on the 5th of Feb. The atmosphere will be different. But that was a much needed win because if we did not win that game, Steve, I think there was going to be a lot of questions being asked about Tuchel, questions being asked about the team, questions being asked about the club. To beat Tottenham again for the fourth time this season, I think gives us a little bit of respite and the fact that we've got a week off now because of uh, an international, well, say an international break, a winter's break, even though the rest of the country are still playing football. Mm. Um, gives us a little bit of a break now. And our next uh, league game isn't until the 19th against Crystal Palace. Yeah. So, no, you know, I think it was vital. I was looking at that league and there was a lot of clubs with a few games in hand, one of them being Tottenham, that from being a very comfortable second position, we were catchable because of our form. Mm. Mm. And had Tottenham have beaten us, that whole thing would have changed. We'd have been under pressure. Under pressure. And I'm just so pleased that we, we pulled ourselves together and played extreme, had a good performance because that's what we've needed because we haven't played at our best now for quite a long time. Well, we discussed this, and barring the League Cup against Spurs, which I thought we were 
completely dominant from one minute from first minute to the 90th in both legs. We haven't played brilliant football since Juventus. Ironically, yeah. when Chilwell got injured. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. We said we that. haven't played brilliantly since then, in, in my humble opinion. But Tottenham, barring it's a London derby, and everyone beats Tottenham because they get battered everywhere they go. So it's great that we don't have to really play Tottenham again unless we play them in the FA Cup. That would be quite funny um, to play them for a fifth time and beat them. But we're third. Should we still worry about the teams catching us, or should we, you know, look to maybe catch Liverpool and probably not Man City? I don't think I think the title's gone now, but should we look at trying to catch Liverpool rather than worry about the teams behind us, Steve? Um, well, yeah, I think that should be Chelsea's aim anyway: is to finish as high as they can. Um, Liverpool have done surprisingly well without two of their best players. Um, you know they've done surprisingly well, hmm. um, and they keep winning. And they keep you know, right? They had a hiccup. Where did they have a hiccup? Where they drew? But um, you know, you got to give them credit. They, they, but wherever you look, whether it be Man City, whether it be Liverpool, the way they play football creates more chances. They, what can you imagine? Chilwell and James playing Saturday against Tottenham. Can you imagine what they they would have done to Tottenham? Oh, they would have ripped them to shreds with all the space that they had. With all they, the space, that they, oh, they would word. have absolutely had a field day. And how football has progressed, those two fullbacks were a very important cog with getting balls into the box, getting into dangerous positions, scoring goals. You know, both of them have scored some good goals you know and that's a massive loss for us that's a massive loss for us um, but you know uh, I still say that um, we've got a little bit of work to do we have we've got to somewhere capture and get a lot more creativity in midfield where we create chance after chance after chance and when we play the likes of Burnley or Everton and we go 1-0 up we don't sit back we get mm. that second and we all enjoy ourselves like like the Tottenham game mm. we went out we got the second trust me if it had been 1-0 with 10 minutes to go everyone in Stamford Bridge would be oh my god here we go again before we move on from this I just want to sort of put give you the details of the league table at the moment and just sort of give you an idea of potentially if we could get caught where and who by but I've just looked at the actual goal difference and it's quite staggering actually how much it is compared with the top three to the rest we've played 24 we're on 47 points Man United are fourth which tells you how bad the league is considering how bad Man United are they're fourth They've got 38 points. They're two games in hand over us. Their goal difference is six. We've got 30. Mm. West Ham are fifth. They've got a game in hand over us, but they're on 37 points. Then you've got the horrible North London lot of Arsenal and Tottenham, both on 36. Spurs have got four games in hand. Arsenal have got three, but they've got to play each other. They're on 36. So... 
despite the win, we have to sort of be a little bit realistic in this. Yeah. We could still get caught if we have a bit more of a bad run of form, yeah. but we're so vile. If you look at our fixtures coming up after the winter's break, which is bloody nonsense, and the FA Cup, plus the Club World Championships, our next league games, Palace away, which is not easy. Leicester's postponed because of the EFL Cup. Then we've got Burnley away, Newcastle at home, Norwich away, and in April, Brentford at home. So, potentially winnable games. We could potentially actually get on a bit of a nice little run there. Maybe the banana skin could be Palace to begin with, possibly. But I expect there to be a lot of wins in that form. Yeah. In in, in that run, Steve. Yeah, I think so. Keith, what is our goal difference compared with Man City and Liverpool? Right. Goal difference for Man City is 41. Liverpool's is 39 and ours is 30. That's a, that's a story then, isn't it? Hmm. You know, they're creating more chances and scoring more goals. You know, that's, you know, that's what, that's the thing that we've got to do more of. We've got to somewhere, somehow, create more chances, score more goals. When Man City go 1-0 up, and you've got to look at Man City because they are, you know, God. They never sit back, do they? They never think they've done enough. Mm. They go on for the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth and the sixth. And that's how they play. And that's what we've got to be like. That's what we've got to be like. Well, it'll be interesting going forward now. We've got the FA Cup and the Club World Championships before. It's, I think it'll be a nice little break. And we even discussed it uh, on Sunday, Steve. How I think going to the Club World Championships, which some people say it's pointless, other people like the idea of it, I think is a great idea for the squad because it gets them away from the pressures of Premier League and pressures of constant talking about, oh, Lukaku, Tuchel, Hakim not performing every week, oh, Chilwell injury, James. James allegedly, from what I can understand, might even be back for the Club World Championship. So that'll be nice for a, a little bit of a run out to get the Cogs back in the usual working order. So, yeah, I believe we should enjoy the next few weeks, to be fair, Steve. And I think it will be nice to see the teams below us slug it out for one spot. Because if you look at the dross that's underneath us... I will put it out there now, as it's the end of January. I can't see us getting caught. No. Well, I can't. But we'd have said that six weeks ago, wouldn't we? <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that's the, you know, I don't think we're playing well enough to take anything for granted now. That is true. Think, I'll give you I that. That is got true. To earn the right by winning games and playing with a passion and attacking. And when we go one to up, go for the throat. Don't sit back and say, we've done it. Go for the throat and win the game two and three nil. That's the key. Well, interesting to, to go with that. We'll, we've beaten Tottenham and it's funny. I was listening to talk sport and the Spurs fans 
sort of just either questioning Conte or just questioning Levy and moaning and groaning. It was actually quite nice to listen to. But I have to give Spurs a little bit of credit. A couple of weeks ago, Steve, you know the story. For those of you that have been following uh, the podcast for a while, I gave the story of what happened at the three-point lane where my programme got nicked by a fellow Chelsea supporter. I've got a bit of an update on you, Steve. On me? Well, the perpetrator didn't get in touch with me, but I contacted Spurs, told them what happened. They gave me a free program. Which go. I thought was nice of them. You've done well to get that from Spurs. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the guy that's done that, if Daniel Levy finds out, it's hacking. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, considering it cost £3.50. I thought it was nice, but... No, fair play. So I got a free program. So all, all, all is not lost. Um, moving on swiftly, the transfer deadlines next week. Next Monday's the the, the the deadline day, is what Sky Sports like to call it. And I can't see us going for any players. Personally, I don't. If, if we was to go for somebody with a bit of quality, I think we would have been able to look at it now. And I think you look at our squad. Can we buy somebody that's going to be better than what we've got at this stage? I think not. But the big rumours that are coming out in regards to outgoings is Aspilicueta. Steve, I don't know whether you've heard it, but the last 24 hours, it seems as if Aspilicueta could be going to Barcelona. Barca are going to offer him a a two-year deal is what Aspilicueta wants. Chelsea are only offering him a one-year deal, which is Chelsea's policy of the one-year's. Um, and it seems as if Aspilicueta is keen on the move. Barca obviously need him, as they haven't got any money. And this this deal does seem to be rumbling a, quite quickly. So if this is to be Aspilicueta's final year, let's hope we do win something to uh, celebrate it being Cesar's last year. Because he's been a phenomenal signing since we he's bought him in 2012. He's been a great- I mean, he's, he's been, been value you, for money. If you look at the signings that we've purchased under Roman Abramovich, I would say he's probably been the best signing we've made that's been under £10 million because he we bought him for £7 million. He's arguably been the best signing we've made under seven under £10 million. He's arguably been one of the best five signings we've made under Roman. Yeah, he's been a fantastic mm. uh Fantastic player for the club. Would you, be su- would you be surprised if, if he goes? If I was Spanish, Keith, let's be realistic. If I was Spanish, I'm 34 years of age. 34? Is he 34? No, he's not 34. No, he's uh, 31, 32. 31, 32, right? So, and Barcelona came in for me. Being Spanish, knowing what that club's all about. And they offer you an, an extra year. He's got to. He's got to go for it, hasn't he? He deserves it. He deserves it. Um, and really, when the boys come back, um, how many games is he going to play? When everyone's fit, how many games is he going to play? But well, I think, I think this season, I think he'll. I think he'll still play a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think this next season, I think next season is the key, and I think Cesar knows that. Yeah, in yeah. my opinion, yeah, and 
I think he'll play week in, week out at Barcelona, even with the age that he is. Because I'm not, Jesus Good Christ, they're, play, they're playing Danny Alves, who's nearly 40, playing yeah. him week in, week out. So if they're doing that to him, they'll, they would, you know, they'll, they'd eat Cesar up massively and they'll play him every week. So if he goes to Barca, good luck to him. I think that he should get, you know, he should get a wonderful send off from the club yeah. if this is to be his last year. But who knows? We'll talk about... There's no need to talk about Rudy because, to be honest, that's been spoken about to death. And as far as I'm concerned, he's still a Chelsea player until something changes. So yeah. that you know that should sort of hopefully die down. But there's players at the club, Steve, that we've spoken about that, for me, it should be best if they left the likes of Barkley. I think... I would be quite surprised if Loftus-Cheek is not at least linked with a few clubs because I can't, I can't see him breaking that midfield up with Kante, oh. Kovacic. And to be honest, I do think Sal is ahead of him. Mm. I think, it, uh, I've, I've said this for a while, I think it's best if Loftus-Cheek does go because I don't believe he is going to be any better than what he is now. Here's one for you, Keith. Go on, Steve. Goal scorer in Europe at the moment. Sorry, Steve. Who's the leading goal scorer in Europe at the moment? In all positions, are we? T- no. Is- no, in all positions. I'm on low power mode. Who's the leading? Uh, you hear me? Yeah, no, I can hear you, Steve. I would say Lewandowski. No. You want me to tell you? Go on. Sammy Abraham. <laughs> fact. Keith, where are you going? No, no, That's I'm here. Fact. Sorry. No, I, I was shocked that you actually said Tammy Abraham. I actually dropped my pen. I know he's on an, an incredible scoring run with Roma at the moment. Yeah. And it does seem that he's found his... I think I think he's found his place in Serie A. To be honest, I think he'll do yeah. very. And we we did say this at the time when Tammy left. We thought he would do very well at Roma. And it's funny people with people again with hindsight and with you know talking about it, they're saying, "Oh, we should have kept Tammy. Why did we let him go?" These are the same people that are saying this. Are the same people that said, "Oh, Tammy should go. He's not strong enough. He's lightweight. We oh, we've got Werner yeah. now. We've got Lukaku now. We don't need Tammy anymore." You're yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't. But good luck to Tammy. You know, yeah. if Tammy does well at Roma, good luck to him. Yes, there's a lot of deadwood to get rid of, Keith. Yes, in, there's a lot of deadwood, and we've got to refresh that with new quality players. Well, and I'm... I, we're linked with a. 17-year-old player at Barcelona. And his fee is £42 million. And we've been linked with him. Yes, I'm aware of the, um, Gabby. Gabby, I think his name is. Gabby, yeah. um, I believe his name. From what I can gather, he's he wants to stay at Barcelona, which is understandable. And yeah. he's looking to get his contract extended. Yeah to the point where his release clause is going to be over 200 million. So if we was to maybe go for him, I think we'd have to be quick. But the one player who I know we are linked with is another Barcelona player is Frankie de Jong. Centre mid. 
I I am a fan of his. He can get up yeah. and down the pitch. He's a good midfielder. Is he a potential replacement for the likes of Jorginho or Kante? Maybe. Is he better than what we have? That's yeah. interesting. And I think Barca at the point where they still need the money and they all look to free transfers. I think they could possibly do with maybe 40 million in the bank, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that'll be interesting, but. And I'll tell you what, if I could sign him and delete, I'd be very, very happy. Oh yes. Delict at Juventus. Yeah. If I, if you could sign those two players, there's that creativity that is lacking. There's a presence there of a person that will run a game. And Dion, when he's on song, and he hasn't really done it at Barcelona, has he? No, no, he hasn't. But he's an exceptional talent. It's like Van de Beek at Man United. He's an exceptional talent, but he's been wasted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That, uh, but Delict, for me, if, if centre-backs want to go, and they end up going, Christensen and, and um, then he's the one I'd go for. Hmm. Interesting. That, that, that would be interesting if Rudy left and Christensen left and even Dave left. Who could come in? I mean, you've got Chaloba coming through. Saar, who I think should be given more of a chance. He reminds me of a young Zuma. Yeah. Reminds me of a very young Zuma when Zuma first came into Chelsea. He was young. very raw. Very, very good physically. So it'll be interesting how Saar develops. But you touched on the future, and you touched on the youth and what could come up, which leads me on to our last little piece that I want to talk about, which we don't normally talk about. And I know we haven't spoken a lot about, which we should do, you know, as well. They've done a fantastic job. Emma Hayes, who has yeah. been rewarded, you know, off and on the pitch for her work with the ladies' side. But... The Chelsea development team, Steve. I went down to Kings Meadow last night to watch Chelsea FC versus Man City in the Premier League 2. First time I've seen the, the Premier League 2 side for oh God, those, oh, a long, long time since they played at Stamford Bridge. And it was actually interesting because a, a lot of the players, some of the players have played for the first team. Other players I've heard good reviews about. So it was nice to sort of get a, a first glimpse, you know, a proper glimpse at them in the flesh. And they were playing a Man yeah. City side who I believe are top of the Premier League two at the moment. So they were going to have some quality. And it, I just want to sort of touch on the evening, Steve, and sort of, again, you being an ex-player and an ex-coach to sort of see the difference in regards to what you'd see at a bog-standard Premier League game to what you'd see in an academy game or a development side. I was there, obviously, as a, as a Chelsea supporter, but there was a lot of scouts there. And the scouts had their own little sort of seating area at the, uh, at the stand. There was only one stand being used out of the four. Um, the, the scouts were sitting ne near the Chelsea technical bench where they had Neil Bath there and they had other sort of Chelsea employees there. And there was Man City staff there as well. And you had scouts that were part of 
all over the country, really, Steve. And there was even scouts that now you get third party companies that hire freelance scouts to come in and their work then goes to clubs that perhaps can't afford their own scouts. They then hire them out through third parties. There was more scouts there than actual fans. And it, it was quite funny looking at it from the other side. Bear in mind, I was a scout a few years ago. And it's quite funny looking at that, Steve. And it was it was interesting because I, I was at the ground. I was outside before I went in. And I heard from the lady who was giving the passes to the players as they were entering the stadium that she was told, oh, John Terry's going to be here. Well, obviously, my ears then perked up. And I was like a meerkat because all of a sudden my head, I was on my phone. I was sort of contacting a few people anyway. And my head just went up, looked. I thought, oh, okay, interesting. And then lo and behold, five minutes later, I saw Andy Myers. He pulled, he pulled into the car park and then John Terry came, pulled in. Massive Range Rover. And it was funny because he had his boots and I thought, oh, would it be nice to see him play again? And he was having a chat with the lady who was giving the land yards to the players. And I had my Blue Day podcast business cards with me, Steve, just in case. Mm. And I thought, should I, should I not? I bet you did. I went up towards him. <laughs> I was very close to introducing myself. And then all of a sudden, my phone went, and it was the wife. And mm. I had to take it. By the time I got off the phone from the wife, he left. I'm so pleased you're putting your wife before John Terry. <laughs> Not many I'm Chelsea pl- fans would. <laughs> hey. He's a lot prettier than John Terry anyway, so I don't know what the problem is. Well, I know that my wife cooks. I don't know if John Terry could cook or not, so that's... That's one thing, but hey, who knows? Yeah, never say never, hey. But never say never. But I have to, I have to say, it was great to see John there, sort of coaching the young players, and it was, it was great because it was even good for the young supporters that were there. You know, the dads that took their kids along, who were probably local to the ground, and said, "This is John Terry. This is who." I supported as a you know, youngster and what have you. So that was kind of nice to see. And I just want to sort of touch on a few players that I saw. And it's funny, Steve, that it was the first game I've actually watched where I wasn't actually a neutral. I actually had my scouting hat on. It yeah. actually felt like I was on scouting duty again. And I actually wrote some notes down. I actually wrote them most on my phone. It took me ages to put them onto a piece of paper. Looked at the squads, looked at who was available. And the three players for me that stood out and who I think have got great potential going forward, Lewis Hall, who played left back, who actually played against Chesterfield in the FA Cup. He was outstanding, I thought, for Chelsea last night. Not the tallest, but he's quick. And his positional sense, I thought, was very, very good for some, for someone so young. And I, I just think that he's got, he, he has got something about him that... I can see him. He'll probably have one or two loans before he's into a very good run in the first team. But I believe he's got what it takes to go forward. George McEachran, who played centre midfield, who played a little bit further forward towards the uh, centre forward. 
good stature about him. He's got a nice touch about him as well. And he can pick a pass. And Charlie Webster, who was number eight, who played in centre mid as well. He play, I thought he, he, he did very well. Struggled the midfield a little bit because I thought Man City's midfield looked more better in regards to the physical side. But again, Charlie's got a good touch about him and he, he looked yeah. a little, little bit of potential. The one player who I thought was best player on the pitch and he was for Man City, and I come to find out he's he, he was bought from Brazil. He's only 18, 19 years old and he's nicknamed Kai Kai. He was on the right-hand side, right winger. And it was a fascinating battle between him and Lewis Hall. Lewis didn't struggle, but Kai Kai loved to cut inside. He, he's left-footed. He'd be played on the right-hand side. He just yeah, yeah. kept cutting in and he kept trying to sort of distribute the ball to the centre forward and trying to keep the ball in. For me, he was he he was best player on the pitch by a mile. And yeah. it was great to see sort of, again, the future, you know, yeah. looking at which players potentially could make it. And Man City won the game 1-0. Chelsea didn't have too many chances to you know, to sort of get back into the game, but I, I'm I'm fascinated to see where Chelsea could go. Uh, Javier Simons played at right back, who's played against Brentford, and I'm, I'm hoping he'll play more games for Chelsea's first team as well because I think he's got something about him. So for me to have John Terry there, whether or not it'd be a short term or long term. Is no doubt probably helping. He's going to help the boys long term anyway. But the future is bright at Chelsea, and the fact that you could see Mount progressing, James progressing, Harvey Vale, who's now from the academy, gone straight into the first team. There's a great pathway for Chelsea. And again, Steve, you, Christ, you started your career at Chelsea. The likes of Ray Wilkins, yourself, and the other players, Gary Stanley, Britain, yeah, yeah. Ian Britton. Gary Stanley. Yeah. Clive Walker, Tommy Langley. Yes, all these players started their careers at Chelsea and played God knows how many appearances for the club and has got a great rapport with the, with, with the team even now. I mean, I know Gary Stanley was there at the game on Sunday. Um, you know, a gentleman by the name of Rodney George told me. And he's, been, he, you know, he's, he's still... Revered by Chelsea supporters, even now, and we're talking nearly forty years plus. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. If these players, if these players sort of knuckle down and stay loyal to Chelsea, Chelsea will be obviously loyal back to them. The fans will always remember them, and it's great to see the youth come through. And it'll be interesting to see where these guys go. Keith, I'll tell you something that must never be forgotten. What Frank Lampard did, what he did when he had no money to spend, he brought through uh, three or four very good young players. What concerns me, a lot of these super coaches have massive egos and they believe that the only way they win the grand things like the Champions League and the Premier League is by playing good players that have proved it at the highest level. And that's what Chelsea now are. That's what Man City now is. What I will say is 
if you look at the players that we've put out on loan, if I was any football club, I'd be saying to my scouts, you get down and watch Chelsea. And let's have a look at these young players. Because it's unrealistic to think now where we have progressed to in, in terms of European Championship. It's a little bit like um, Real Madrid when they were at their pomp and they were winning the Champions League. Not many kids came through, did they? No. Not no. many kids came through. They went out at the end of each season and bought ready-made superstars. And that's what they did every season. And they always used to beat the Man United and Liverpool and get the players, Real Madrid. Um, and I just hope that, that, that someone is big enough and brave enough to actually look at these kids and say, do you know what? But the thing is, you can't because as a manager, your lifespan's 12 weeks. Well, you look at Watford. Yeah, as you a, know, um, as but, an example. But I remember Dave Sexton saying to me, I walked into the, his room and he said to me, Steve, what I want to do, I believe in you. I think you'll be a player. He said, I'm looking to blood you in Easter time. And he did. But what I'm saying is, a manager can't do that anymore. Mm. A manager can't do that anymore. A manager, it's so cutthroat. You know, you've got Chelsea and Watford are very similar, but Watford are worse and they don't win anything. <laughs> but they're very similar. And, you know, I wonder if you sat down with the board before that game on Saturday and you asked them the question, what will it take to get Tuchel sacked? I bet they'd say four more defeats. And that is from a man that won the Champions League a year before. Uh, well, that, but that's it. Well, that, you, you talk about that. I don't know whether you know this, Steve, but as we're recording Tuesday 25th of Jan, this, this will be going out hopefully in, immediately uh, after this. This is the anniversary where Lampard got sacked. Lampard got sacked on this day last year. Yeah. You look at, despite the fact he didn't win anything as a manager, the lasting legacy that Lampard has got as a manager with this club, one of them yeah. is in a young player that came on late in the game against Sheffield United when we was winning 2-1 and we was under the cosh for a lot of it, rather than put another defender on to protect the back four, yeah. maybe even switch to to two wing-backs, he put on young Billy Gilmore for his debut. Yeah, Everybody around the ground went, well, who, not only who the hell is this guy, Gin Gilmore, but why? Now, you see his, how what he has done since. Lampard identified early on, this guy's a player. Mm. Mason Mount. Mate, he, to me, he, he's the Belicia beacon of Frank's work. He backed him at Derby. Mm. He led him into men's football, if you like. He then became manager of Chelsea and that boy believed, he believed in that boy and that boy believed in his manager and there's no better relationship than that. 
Mount scored on his first appearance at Stamford Bridge against Leicester on the opening day of that season. Yeah. Look what he has produced now. And yeah. he's still got at least another, well, well over 10 years left in the game. Yeah, yeah. Reese James. No, a lot Reece. of people thought after his loan at Wigan, he might go out on loan again. No, he's now no. one of the best right backs in the country. But that, people keep saying, oh, yeah. him or Alexander-Arnold. or to me, isn't it? to me, defensively and attackingly, I think he's the better player. He's the, he's the, he's the best right back in the country. And, and we're missing him. That's what, you know, that's... A, but ironically, it could save Chelsea millions. Well, it has done. It but has you know, done already. If you mirror that, though, if you mirror that with Man City, their mount is Foden. Right? Um, they've got two or three young players that he's now beginning to blood into the team. There's another guy that played the other day and everyone was raving about him, said he was absolutely outstanding. I think his name was Carl Palmer. That Palmer. I think his name was, yeah. Now, yeah. they're blooding, but, but what Pep's got over us a little bit, a little bit, is he's got a better squad. Squad. He's got so much depth that for those players to break through, he said, didn't he? Pep said that the best player he'd ever worked with for ability was Foden. And everyone laughed. Everyone laughed. Yeah, 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 all right. You've been at Barcelona. You've been at... But, but the boy has got ability. And what these boys need to make it at the very top is for their managers to be a Frank Lampard, a Frank and Mason Mount and Reese James relationship where the manager believes in them and they believe in the manager. And that was the biggest, I think, plus point of his whole career at Chelsea was the fact that, all right, his arms, his hands were tied. But I still think he'd have done what he'd have done because I think he believed in those boys. I think he believed in those boys. And uh, I'll take my, you know, my hat off to him because Frank Lampard has saved Chelsea millions. Millions. Um, and I'm glad you said about his thing because I think he, he uh, watched the documentary with him on telly. And he explained how hard it was to watch the Champions League final. Mm. How hard he found it. And I can imagine how he must have felt sat there. He said, and the thing that, that cheered him up was the fact that he was walking. The postman walked past him and said, Frank, don't forget you had an awful lot to do with that. And he said, and all of a sudden, from being in, he said, I felt, oh, he said, I felt really great that someone had said that. And we must never forget that. Well, you look at the players that lifted the trophy. Yeah. James, yeah. Mount, yeah. Yeah. Chilwell, who was Lampard signing. Yeah. yeah. Tammy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um... You know, but hopefully now Tuchel, you know, hopefully Tuchel does the business this season and who knows where we're going to end well, up this season. I... So it's, it's going to be an exciting one nonetheless. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Keith, I'll tell you what I do want. I want Chelsea to be world club champions 
Oh God, absolutely. Yes, I'll, tell you what, yes. I'll tell you what, the Scousers made a lot of that when they became... Uh, so let's go out there, boys, and let's win that cup as well. Too bloody right. Let's hopefully, hopefully we will. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this week. Um, again, obviously, talking about Tottenham a little bit late, but it's always nice to talk about when we beat Tottenham. So it don't matter what, the, what time of uh, week this one goes out. But we just want to sort of give a couple of um, brief announcements. If you want to follow us on Twitter, find us at Blue Day Podcast. Find us on Instagram where we are putting goals galore. Goals of the day we are putting on Instagram as well. And very retro pictures of players from years gone by. Find us on Facebook. If you've got a question that you want to put to the show and you want to put to myself and Steve, you can do at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. We are looking to possibly do maybe one or two watch-alongs when... In the spring, summertime, we might obviously do some during pre-season as well, when there's hardly any decent football about. And we're hopefully going to have our player interviews coming up very, very soon. We're hopefully going to have a couple of players that started their career at Chelsea. And again, we've obviously got Steve Wicks, who started his career at Chelsea. He didn't do too bad for himself. And you look at the likes of Mason Mount and Rhys James, who also started their career at Chelsea. They haven't done too bad, have they? No, they've done brilliant. Anything else, Steve, before we wrap this up? No, well done, Frank. Well done, uh, Frank, indeed. Yeah. Well done, Frank, indeed. I've been Keith Lawrence. He has been Steve Wicks. Keep the blue flag flying high. Stay safe and carefree. Podcast Network. In today's world, finding the facts and applying the truth to solve complicated problems is a bold move. Become an actuary and use your math skills to bring predictability to uncertainty. Actuaries are respected professionals and truth tellers valued across the globe. And actuaries are the U.S. News number 22 top paying career. Explore a great career in a field you love, making a real difference for real people. Find your path. The world needs actuaries more than ever.